Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Man, I'm like Holy Spirit goosebumps going on. I dude. love it. Yeah. I love it. I got to tell you, you and I behind the scenes have been working vigorously yeah. on getting Holly Hedgecock on this show. Yeah. And she's not on the show. She's yet. super busy. Yeah, she's really busy. And we I don't want to tell anybody about the magnificence of Holly Hedgecock. However, I you know how birds of a feather great people yeah, they're flocking. Yeah. They go together. So Holly says, you know what, I can't do it. But she sends me this description. Okay. This is what she sends me. And, All right, and we know Holly, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we trust that some of this might be true. Holly, who is coming on the show in the future, says Hi, Kevin. I've got this nephew that's in town and he loves Jesus and has a heart for sharing him with youth and does a bunch of stuff. And he's out here from North Carolina and his wife, oh my gosh. I said, tell me a little bit of him. She goes, Jeffrey is the assisting pastor. Uh, shout out to Calvary Chapel Clayton in New North Carolina. We're big in North Carolina, by the way. I have a house in South yeah. Carolina. We're big out there. Wow. Yep. He is in charge of student ministry events and outreaches and does their web and social media. He has a huge heart for youth exclamation mark. I like this for the best. His wife, Whitney, is so dear. She is a gentle spirit, full of compassion and grace, and loves the Lord. They have two kids, Zeke and Olive, which are great wow. names. Sent three fifteen is on a blind date. Hello, <laughs> Jeffrey and Whitney. Welcome to Sent three fifteen. Thank you so much. And thank you for having us. And last week we had Sherry Struthers on, and you actually got a chance to bump into her, and and she said, Kevin, for research because she's really really smart PhD kind of person. She said, I listened to. Every episode of Sin 315. Uh, she was lying, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but she, you've listened to an episode. We did. We yeah, did. On our way from LA, stuck in traffic. We listened to Joe. Joe. It was an amazing yeah. story. And yeah. Glorifying Jesus. Yeah, for sure. And you and still agreed to be here after listening to us. That's a good sign. 100%. And like you said, I trust my aunt. Yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Her word. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. be fun. It'll be fun when we get on her. Okay, so this is what I'd like to do. That's Holly's description of both of you. Going back to Jeremy LeBon and Corey Haynes. Matt, I had them introduce each other. Oh. So, Whitney, tell me a little bit about this guy that's sitting across from you. He's really funny. Is he? Right? <laughs> he's okay. really funny. Okay. He loves the Lord, and he's a, an awesome dad, and he's a really sweet husband. He's my best friend. Uh, <laughs> nice. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. We, we are best friends. Yeah. So, tell me about this lovely lady. Oh, my goodness. Uh, my aunt put into words really well. But same, she's an amazing mom, wife. She loves Jesus. She is super gentle. She has many amazing gifts that God's given her, especially just being really compassionate towards people. Mm. She has good discernment when she notices people are hurting, and it's not even visible on their faces. God just puts that burden on her, and she acts upon that by talking to them, praying with them, being with them, whatever they need, and ultimately pointing them to Jesus. So yeah, yeah, and that is the most cunning, diabolical right? way to introduce someone to Jesus is to love them mm -hmm. and serve them and take care of them. It's really hard to defend against that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, how did you guys meet each other, and how did you meet Jesus individually? We are both originally from California. Whitney was born in Riverside. I was raised in Encinitas. We didn't know each other this time. We ended up moving. Our families moving to North Carolina, and it wasn't until we were in high school. 
we went to the same youth group at Calvary Chapel. We grew up there and we met there on a retreat. It was my freshman year, I think maybe no sophomore year, your freshman year in high school we met and we were just best Mm -hmm. friends since then. Yeah. God just step by step, year by year brought us together and we got married in 2011. So for me, my testimony of coming to Jesus was actually my freshman year in high school. I've grown up in church, pretty much Calvary Chapels my whole life, going to church pretty much every week. Uh, I grew up with a single father here in California. We ended up moving to North Carolina and going to that Calvary Chapel and really being plugged into that youth group. And I knew the nuances of Christianity at that point because I've been in church my entire life. Yeah. So I knew all the worship songs. I knew Bible verses. I knew when to do this and when to do that and how to say this and how to say that. Every time I share my testimony, I always go back to Revelation chapter 3, where Jesus writes to the church in Sardis, and he calls him the dead church. He says, I know your works. You have a name that you are alive, but he says, you're dead. Mm. I remember one evening on, on a retreat, the Holy Spirit really convicted me that said, you are, you have this facade. You look like you're alive to everyone else, that you are a part of the church, that you are a follower of Jesus, that you're born again, but you're not. You're dead. And so through that conviction and the gospel being presented, I repented and put my faith in Jesus and was born again that evening. It's amazing. So now I, I have the appearance that I'm alive, but I am alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah. You know? Way, way better. Yeah. yeah. So that's my quick testimony. So Whitney, you were uh, in the Hells Angels, <laughs> did some time yeah. at Folsom. My grandpa was. <laughs> actually. I, actually, yeah. <laughs> Whoa! Yes. Didn't know <laughs> no, that was going to happen. He actually wasn't in, but he... That was prophetic. So I, <laughs> yeah. uh, Holly gave me those I was notes. like, wow, you did your research. <laughs> yeah, that's actually yeah. really... We got your rap sheet. Yes. That's right, like, yes. Wow. So my testimony is very different from Jeffrey's. And I just have to say the really cool thing is that we actually both got saved on the same retreat, the same evening that the gospel uh, was presented. God is just... How he does things is beautiful. Anyway. Yeah, how he knows what's important to you, what you care yeah. about, the little things. Uh, he loves yeah. us that much. He, he does. He thinks about us that much. He mm. does. And he created us. We, yeah. It never ceases to amaze me just how he works. It's awesome. I did not grow up in the church. My, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> I have a little bit of a traumatic background, but it's what God used to bring my family, actually my whole family, to him. And so he really redeemed us. It was like he scooped us up out of the pit. I was born here. We lived in Texas for a little bit. And then we moved to North Carolina when I was about five, I think. (laughs) And a close family member actually molested me for many years. During that time, too, we didn't know the Lord and we didn't go to church. Weekends were partying. So just growing up in that environment, just being exposed to a lot of things. My brother and sister as well. So there's three of us. There was a period of time when my dad couldn't be with us anymore. He couldn't live with us. And it was almost a year. But in that time, God actually met my dad right where he was. And my dad actually, he was ready to commit suicide because he had lost everything, us, his family, because of decisions that he made in his life. And basically one day he found an old Bible, my great grandfather's old Bible in his camper that he was living (laughs) in at the time while he was away. And he cried out to God. He said, "If, if you're real, you need to reveal yourself to me right now or I'm done. I'm killing myself. This is it. And so he opened the Bible and he went to Romans where it says there is therefore no condemnation for those. He was like, I knew that God spoke to me and his whole family had been praying. Like we have extended family that are actually 
from here as well that had been praying for his salvation and my grandfather's like my dad's dad their salvation and it was like he knew he was like i gotta go to church and he went to church he gets saved radical transformation he had been on heavy drugs and drinking a lot and it was like the Lord took the desire away from him. And I know that's not everybody's story, no. but this is my dad's story. But it's a great story. story. It's beautiful. And so then he somehow, by the miracle of God's grace, convinced my mom to, to bring my brother and sister and I to church to meet him there. And we were so excited because we got to see dad. Mm. And so we would just sit in church with him. And I didn't want to go to youth group <laughs> because I just wanted to sit sure. next to my dad. I remember just falling asleep to listening to the pastor and he would be reading and I would be like, I'm just here with my dad. So it's really sweet. And eventually my youth pastor at the time, he had been like every week, he was like, hey, we'd love to have you trying to convince us to go to youth group. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do it. And finally one Wednesday night, he like grabbed my my brother and I by the arm, like the elbows, and he just <laughs> dragged us into to to Wednesday night That's youth one service. Approach. It was one of it worked for us. It I worked. think like we needed the push. Like if it was up to us, we we weren't gonna <laughs> choose to go. So that he just lovingly, but like firmly, brought us into youth ministry, and that was it. It was like after that to go from complete and utter darkness to being surrounded by people filled with the love of God was so refreshing it was that cold cup of water and i wanted that so much for my own life we ended up going on the retreat and my brother and i both get saved my little sister who was in elementary school and so she was in children's ministry she gets saved before we did she just was like this is it so my brother and i got saved and it was the same retreat that my husband was saved it sounds like a good retreat it was a really good retreat (laughs) and he like that night our pastor shared the gospel he laid it out and of course he showed us the clip in the passion you remember that i don't you don't remember that part no. oh my gosh and i'm like sobbing which sobbing one and the passion of christ so yeah. the, where he's where him? he just the whole scene leading up to his death on the cross we're watching him being flogged we're watching him carry the cross up the we're seeing the love in his eyes and or the depiction of the love in his eyes and there were so many things that had happened to me as a child, but also the Lord revealed to me that I was a sinner too. And this is the cool part is that he gave me a compassion and a love for the person that molested me. And so it's just cool how the Lord works. So teaching me forgiveness, teaching me grace, and I am a sinner just like him, Mm. just like everyone when I need the saving grace. And that has to be done supernaturally because it's not in our nature for someone that really hurts us. It's got to be God. Yeah. I know with other people that we've had on the podcast uh, that have gone through uh, tragedy and darkness, it seems as though the Lord redeems it so that you can use it as you're ministering to other people who may have a similar experience. Have you found that to be true with you? Absolutely. And that is absolutely true there's healing in that too when you start to let the lord use your testimony no matter what it is to share with others there is so much healing in that it's interesting like we have a youth conference every year and a couple thousand kids show up and i get to speak it uh do some breakouts and things like that and so your stories are different but they're both incredible redemption. You're in different experiences. But I got to tell you, Jeffrey, when I ask the kids that are in the room, maybe it's 100 kids in the room, and I say, how many of you were, quote, born a Christian? 
because your parents were Christians, your grandparents were Christians. And so a lot of the kids raise their hand, they're at a Christian conference. And that can be more challenging. Yeah. Because yeah. when darkness and light is so obvious, yes. right? It's, here's the glass of water that you're talking about. <laughs> Keith Green. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, right? And that's where you were at. Because <laughs> yep. you can quack like a duck, right? You look really yeah. good. And that's why I think that we sometimes, a lot of the time in the church, especially in America, we lose kids because mm -hmm. they faked us out and have not made that true decision for themselves. God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. right? So that can be as tough as well, especially if you're sharing your faith and your experience. Right. It's pretty scary because obviously our faith has to be our own, like you said, but many kids are growing up in the church and yeah, they don't see that radical transformation. They don't see, like I didn't see myself as a sinner and I have to look to Christ. And as I look to Christ, that's when I see how glorious and beautiful and righteous he is. But as I see my reflection in him, I see myself as a sinner. And so through that, it really brings you to your knees. It brings you to repentance. It brings you to a place where you actually taste the graciousness of God. And I think many kids have never experienced that. Like there, there hasn't been that experiential grace of God in their life. And so there's this, I want to say facade, but I guess a deception that they are followers of Jesus just by going to church or having parents that are, are believers. And I think even sometimes where the, the fault is with the parents is that and I encourage them, don't just assume that your kid is born again. Just because you bring them to church and you raise them up in the Word and whatever you're doing, they have to genuinely repent, believe in Jesus Christ, and walk with Him. That's what He calls for all of His followers of Jesus. So there is that. With my wife's story, it's very radical, and you didn't really say it, but the kids, her brother and sister and her, what they saw in their dad, that, that transformation, right, from yeah. being darkness to now being light in the Lord, like, it was insane. So it was like almost tangible physical proof that God was real, oh, there was <laughs> seeing that transformation. Yeah. And so all the kids are saved, their mom, his dad, yeah. and really amazing. Her brother's now in seminary at Masters. Her sister is married to a pastor in Calvary Chapel, Petaluma. <laughs> it's really amazing. But for some of these kids who are growing up in church, they don't see that yes. or they don't experience or they haven't experienced grace. Yeah, And grace is so key. We are saved by grace. Yeah. through faith right and if you have not experienced that grace man some kids are just walking around like they're alive but truly they're dead yeah yeah that's truth hey you guys are out here i think you you said it's like the first conference that you've been able to come to can you tell the listeners a little bit about what it was but more importantly what have you come away with what's the wisdom and the nuggets and the inspiration that you've come away with we've been doing youth ministry for 12 years now since we got married and we serve together, and I think that's a wonderful thing for a husband and wife to do yes. in yeah. whatever the capacity that is, whatever ministry. And we've just been faithful to serve. We've been discipled. We've had training through the Holy Spirit. You yeah. Know, you make mistakes, and you <laughs> learn from that, and God gives you wisdom. I and know about that. So we've never had training in the sense of going to a conference or some type of schooling. But I, I, again, I think the Holy Spirit is the best training. Yeah. And through the Holy Spirit and through experience, we've learned a lot. But after 12 years, I asked my pastor if we could come out here because there is a, a youth pastors, leaders, young adults conference for those pastors and leaders just to equip them, to train them, to pour into them. And, uh, and so we were able to go a couple days ago. Mm. It was three days long and it was amazing because it's the pastor who hosted it kept saying, this isn't a conference, this is a community. So there's 
pastors and leaders from all over California, some from Texas, some from Pittsburgh, us from North Carolina, and and we're a community. Like we we showed up, we didn't know anyone. Hmm. Just like we're showing up this morning. Yeah. But through the Holy Spirit, we're connected. Yeah. We are a part of the body of Christ. We're family. Amen. And and so that was cool. We showed up. We were family. We I think I can speak for myself. I don't know about my wife, but I went into it not I tried not to go into it expecting something because I didn't want to sway myself in saying, oh yeah, this is what the Lord's leading me in. So I, I wanted to go in with no expectation, no, God, I want you to reveal this to me. Give me insight in how to do this with the ministry, how to change it, how to do it better, whatever. And so ultimately what happened was just that we were just poured into. We were refreshed. Mm-hmm. We got to worship. We got to hear the word. I, I have a million ideas, like I think everyone does in their <laughs> ministry. <laughs> and I don't want to just say, okay, this church is doing it this way. This pastor is doing it this way. Let's go implement that. I really want the Holy Spirit to lead and give guidance and wisdom and what to do. And not just jump into something based on excitement and momentum, but mm-hmm. okay, no, the leading of the Holy Spirit. If he's going to lead me, he's going to shut the door or he's going to open the door, whether it's an idea or an event or whatever it is. So that was, it was refreshing because we serve a lot and it was nice to just as a couple just to go to church. That's a really important point. The, the things that I'm taking away from the conversation is using your testimony and the differences God meets people on the road that they're on, whatever it is. But that other part, there are a ton of people who are listening to this, who are serving, 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 and probably not knowing that they need refreshing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that, I think that's a message for, I mean, that's for some folks. That's happened to me. Oh. Yeah, because you're going all the time. All the time. What'd you come away with from the, the conference and the experience, Whitney? Definitely very similar already to what my sweet husband said, but I went into it more like, Lord, I need meet us <laughs> in a different perspective. But it was just really refreshing. It was encouraging to be around other families that are serving just like us with young kids that are we're homeschooling and a full we have life. a full <laughs> life. And it's just like how I felt when I went to youth group. It was like a safe haven. <laughs> like you just walk in and you're like, Okay, like I'm home in a way, sure. and I can just let the Lord meet me and fill me up with His Spirit, fresh it anew, and be ready. And I think, just in a really practical sense, one thing that stuck out was talking about just we were talking about holiness, how God is holy, and we're all on a sanctification process. And sometimes we can really put pressure on our youth, on our kids, mm. to be holy. <laughs> Like a way that we're, and we are called to be holy. That's what God's word says be holy as He is holy. But also to have that grace and not get frustrated when you see kids that are making wrong choices or that are that are struggling with sin, sometimes it can be discouraging, like when you're not seeing the fruit all of a sudden, but it's it's that slow growth and it's just letting the Holy Spirit work in each of us just like he does with me so anyway it was just like a good reminder for me to not put pressure on the youth and to just love them where they are and trust the work that god has begun in them he's so faithful he's gonna finish it there's nothing we can do (laughs) extra it it is it's an interesting partnership with him with god yeah but it's interesting because you can especially working in youth you're setting expectations and you're supposed to hey kid you're supposed to live up to my expectations so if you have a sober estimation if you have reasonable expectations and tons of hope and there's never lose hope for them never lose hope for them but you're right if they they can be 
d- disappointing <laughs> over and over again <laughs> I, when you're working I, with kids. I have to remind myself of where I was at that age. And yeah. man, even though I was in church <laughs> oh, and I gave my life to Jesus at 14, even after that sanctification, I was still a punk. Man, <laughs> I, I did some, it wasn't like horrendously sinful stuff, but just being dumb. And I just have to remind myself, the kids who 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. again, we have that expectation of to be like me where I'm at yeah. at 33. Right. And you're talking to a 13 year old. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm like, no, remind yourself of where you were at 14. Yeah. You were there. And I remember thinking at 14, 15, 16, listening to one of our youth pastors teach on a Sunday. I'll never forget this. He was teaching. I don't remember what he was saying, but I remember what I thought. I was like, I could never do that. I could never lead lead a youth group. I could never teach the word of God. Like I just thought I didn't know it that well. And here 15 years later, through God's grace that he's led me and taught me. And mm-hmm. so me having that expectation on me as a young kid, like I never thought that I could be where I am. I don't want to put that expectation, uh, the wrong expectation on kids at 14, 15, because sure. God can, com- he's going to use someone and he's going to grow them and equip them. Yeah. And, you know, we're, right. we're not who we were when we were 13. I'm not who I was five years ago, right? We're always That's growing good. and learning. <laughs> I, I got to remind those kids are going to grow. They're going to mature. Yeah. And, and God's going to provide grace upon grace. And it was a, just a good reminder of the hope that we have in Christ. Like he was quick to remind me, look where you were and look where I've brought you. And you've got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah. Like to get, be able to share that with the kids that we're serving, like there's hope and we need to love them in hope yeah, of yeah. what Christ is doing. There's so many parents that I'm sure who are listening and workers too, youth workers, volunteers and everything like that. And I think this is a really good message to have some peace and rest in. I remember Mark Hoffman, one of the founding pastors of our church, started these youth ventures. And I asked him once, Mark, how is it that you're not either discouraged or naive? Because you're working with these kids and you could, it could be a roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. He's had kids spit in his face. That guy's a youth pastor now but he wasn't a youth pastor for a long time. (laughs) And he said, Kevin, it's because I don't do it for the kids. And I went, oh, wait a minute. Anybody who's coaching Little League or the Boys and Girls Club or that kind of stuff, I'm for the kids, I'm doing it for the kids. And he goes, no, I'm being obedient. I am doing it onto the Lord for sure. So I don't have to ride this roller coaster ride. First of all, Mark doesn't take the wear a crown of success because look how good Joey turned out because he doesn't take that credit. But he also, we've got kids, uh, two brothers when I was running Youth Venture, one of them ended up in prison, one of them ended up a youth pastor. And you don't die with their defeats and you don't um, take glory for what the Lord has accomplished. And that can sustain you because you're doing it with the Lord, for the Lord, and that keeps your eye on the ball. 100%. You you could live and die each week based on (laughs) what you deem as successful. So I think, especially pastors, it can be that roller coaster ride if you allow it. But like you said it perfectly, our success in ministry is not based on anything other than our obedience to Christ. Yeah. Like it, as long as, and I tell the kids this all the time, I'm like, whether you show up or not, that's not my problem. Like my responsibility is to be faithful to Christ, to teach the word of God. And through the Holy Spirit, he's going to do a work. And it reminds me of the, the prophets. There was so many that they were just obedient to what God told them to do. Yeah. And, and there no, was some wacky stuff. Yeah, and, and sometimes <laughs> right? nobody listened. Like I think of Noah yes. for a hundred years, he preached the gospel. No one listened. Would you consider that successful or not? It was successful because he was obedient and he built yeah. the ark and his family was redeemed. Isaiah, a bunch of these prophets where, you know, no one listened. Elisha, 
calling down fire from heaven. Was it Elijah or Elisha? I always mix them up. Calling down fire from heaven and doing this grand performance of God showing up, um, you know, upon the altar. And nobody got saved that day. And then he's running away amazed. from Jezebel. They, exactly. I mean, he sees the power of God and then Je- yeah. Jezebel's mad at him. Oh yeah. no, run away. It's so amazing. That's a roller coaster. Yeah. Yes. So for a youth pastor, a pastor, or anyone in any type of ministry, you know, your your success is based on on it's always you. It's your your holiness and your obedience. And I think coming to that conference, that was the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was we've we've got all these grand ideas for ministry and what we want to do and one of the the teachers was just like, it's, it's so important that you just have that personal time with Jesus. Okay, that's so much. That's yes. where it starts. Because you could do all these grand things and have the success that we would deem successful, um, but it means nothing if if I'm not walking with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? I, what I, first of all, I, I remember going to a base camp last year. It was a conference, a men's conference. And what happened from there, all sorts of incredible things. But my understanding of how big the family of God is. I, I think you, you made connections there at that conference. We're connecting for the very first time. The family of God is huge. Yeah. And we all have the same thing, to love God and to serve Him and make Him known. That's what it's about. Amen. So I want to yeah. pray for you guys. Oh, Please. Thank you. Absolutely. Father, there um, are people listening right now, and we join together to ask your blessing on Jeffrey and Whitney and Zeke and Olive. Father, we just thank you for the, their hearts are so obvious, Lord, for you. And I just thank you for the time that they've had to be refreshed and encouraged. And I just ask, Father, that you would breathe on their creativity, on their time with you together, the, that intimate secret life with you. And Father, that they would go back to their home church absolutely refreshed and renewed. I just thank you for this blind date, this introduction for Lolly. And I thank you that you have placed us in a very good family. And that's because you're a generous, loving God. And we just ask your blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. So much. Thank you.